Welcome back, everybody, to uh, I'll say a bittersweet episode here of the uh, uh, Final K Be Better podcast. Um, yeah, we're we're uh, recording this on a Wednesday, and it's uh, it's really hard. Uh, we're still trying to um, maybe come to terms with uh, the loss of a client uh, who died suddenly on Sunday. Um, out of respect, we have uh, kind of held back any information but we learned early Monday morning that uh, our client uh, and our friend um, Leslie Dahl Leslie Fitzgerald Dahl had uh, passed away Sunday evening in a car accident Um, Leslie has been uh, a spirit and a friend for a long time Um, coming to us originally uh, from Hawaii I remember the first time that uh, she reached out she was looking for a coach because her husband Mark uh, who's also a client, um, was getting transferred. He was an Air Force pilot, and he flew uh, supply missions from Hickam Air Force Base down to uh, Antarct- the Antarctic um, station that uh, the Air Force was manning down there. And so he re- he did the what they called the Penguin Run. And uh, subsequently, um, anytime anybody ever gave Leslie a gift for Christmas time, it was a penguin which she inevitably came to hate and uh, <laughs> said that I was never allowed to give her a penguin ever again. Um, but uh, but I met Leslie when she was looking for a new coach and we, uh, we FaceTimed. And, and at that time, uh, when I first met her, uh, Leslie had um, let me know that she was deaf and she was... Uh, and so I asked if, I, if my daughter would be a helpful... Uh, doing a sign language translation during that meeting, and she said, "No, she doesn't know sign language. She uh, she can only read lips." And um, that was uh, I thought that was super funny because she refused to learn sign language because she thought it was uh, thought it was a sign of weakness. So um, she read lips, and she actually did uh, some service for the military doing that uh, while she was in Hawaii. And uh, during that first call, she told me I had to shave my face because she couldn't read my she couldn't read my lips because of my clean it up. Yeah, my my mm. sc- my scrappy beard. Um, but Leslie and Mark moved uh, to Minnesota, and, and uh, Mark eventually became a pilot for and is currently a pilot um, for Delta. Uh, he flies big buses to see. He uh, he flies the big planes over uh, to like Tokyo and all around and. And they, Leslie and Mark have run in uh, almost all of the big six marathons. Um, they did Tokyo, Berlin, London, uh, New York, Chicago. And I coached her through all of those and uh, coached both of them. And, and she is one person that I can honestly say um, gave more of herself than she ever asked for, for anything. Um, many times she would vent about some of the things that she had to do or that she would be doing um but she would always choose others over herself and that was one thing that uh, I, I never never could uh, uh could understand a hundred percent but she always knew that other people were more in need of things than she was and so she was always quick to make a bone broth or a hot toddy or a great cup of coffee and many times when I would come over for for a chat and she would have some of the best coffee and a fresh muffin of some sort and a laundry list of questions. She always had like a notebook, Devin, and, and it was like I could see from across the table there was like 20, 30 questions that she would always have, and I'd be just a little bit nervous, like what's she going to ask me now? What did, my, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Um, but before we ever did that, we always chatted about Star Wars or something. She was a huge reader and, and a lover of uh, the Star Wars uh, genre and we talked and we actually even shared a uh, Christmas gifts one year that was a uh, uh, baby Yoda Christmas tree ornament that she has and I have and she actually texted me a photo of that a couple of days before she passed that she had put it out on the on the counter and and um, you know it's uh, it's it's hard losing a friend and losing losing someone close and I've lost a couple of people this year that were really close to me and this one really hits hard. So, um, if you know Leslie, I, I'm, you know, you know how special she was, and if you know Mark, please reach out to him and uh, give him, give him a hug for us. He's a pretty stoic fella, and he won't show that he needs it, but he, everybody does. Um, 
but they always say that uh you know things kind of become paired up and as as much as that news saddens us i you know sometimes have to look for things that brighten our day and you know i'd love to say devin that you brighten my day but you don't always um fair <laughs> but uh but you did bring with you today some really heartwarming news and i'd hope hoping you might be able to share that with us as well today i certainly am willing to share um just unbelievable so sad to hear about leslie um you know, just the, the the way you put it, it's just you can tell it's it's going to be a tough loss for a lot of folks. Um, but the the high note, the point of light that I would bring is we just had a baby. Yeah. Our third. We just had our third. We kept it a little more quiet this time. We didn't blast it online leading in. But Sylvie Grace Fleming Palmer, she arrived two two weeks ago now. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks. Now, you, now you're playing uh, zone defense, yes. not man-to-man. Yes, <laughs> so. that's that is uh um that is great to hear and I and you know I you did share with me that that uh, you guys were with child and and um, some really you know great news coming from there and I and I'm so happy that you guys have a a full family and and that's kind of spurring on a little bit of uh, renovation at your home right now too as I've been has been following you with oh yes yeah we've um that's been underway for a while we've been we've been making a few changes to the house that'll make it a really fantastic home for the for the five of us for the next 30 years or so um so you're staying in st paul forever i said 30 years wow that's commitment bud 30 years that's commitment the uh we were just we were just over the moon sylvie came uh healthy everyone was healthy everyone we got out of the hospital unscathed so it was just you know you it's not always that way, so we were very, 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 very grateful going into Thanksgiving. We actually left the hospital Thanksgiving Day. That's awesome. Yep. The best the best gifts. Are you feeling a little bit intimidated now that there's uh, three females and only two males in your home, or is that kind of an emancipating thing? Or is, there like a, is there like a new bond that you have at some point, or is there... That's hard to say. We are the adjustment of schedules and thinking life through and just the logistics and the day-to-day like oh my goodness this is a whole new foible i know so we had i don't know if we mentioned on the last time we recorded a podcast i'm thinking through life like wait a minute we don't have a vehicle that can take the whole family (laughs) so i quick in october i had to run out and get us a minivan uh, so that we were ready, so we could schlep the whole family around. We did discuss the swagger wagon. Okay, good. We did discuss like how you finagled it. Yeah, and uh, it's and, and actually did to, to see like it. It's got rich Corinthian leather in there, which the, the kids will like. You know, spill instantly. You know. We put cover. We covered the snot out of those seats. All back seats where the kids will be are completely covered. <laughs> it looks like my grandparents' couch yes, covered with plastic. Very much, <laughs> very much so. Oh, so it, it's great. just been. Um, it's been a heck of a time. Uh, we just had no idea what to expect. Like, uh, how's this all going to fit together? How it's, how's it going to go? We've been super relieved. Frankie and Svea, the pre-existing children, mm-hmm. they've really embraced Sylvie. And Svea likes to hold her. Frankie likes to bring her her little stuffed animals. And, you know, Frankie, because he's two, he's not fully understanding. We were worried he wouldn't be able to understand and comprehend and embrace it as much. Yeah. But he just says, baby! Baby. Baby. <laughs> and then brings her her stuffies and always wants to give her his stuffed animals. So it's oh, just, that's great. We've been very relieved that he is so happy about it and embracing being a big, and big, big brother. And you have mom and dad and all, you have the, all the grandmas and grandpas that are just super happy. All grandmas and grandpas are super happy. Um, Helping out. Because I'm surprised that you're here. Like, I mean, this is pretty quick. I was, uh, you know... When uh, when I got the call to say, hey, let's pod, I was like, let's do it. And and I was like, are you going to be able to break away? I didn't know if you'd be like four kids in tow. Are you going to be like having the baby Bjorn on, in fr- on the front of you or what's going to happen? There is no paternity leave for the wicked. No, because Soda would not put up with that, by the way. Oh, I were, believe it. She would not put up with you. She doesn't want the competition. No, she no. would just be very, very ferocious there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's that's good. And I'm I'm, I'm glad. And, and so you have the, the reno in the house and that's going to. Bring more space. Now, with that, did you add any, like, a like a bike barn in there? Did you get a wattage cottage? Uh, uh, any place that you're going to do your internal uh, spinning in the wintertime? Because you're not going to – and maybe in the summertime because you're never going to be able to go out again. 
it's it's a consideration right so the project we did we redid the kitchen the kitchen we had in this house that we bought from some boomers and this is not shade on the boomer generation okay they're fine people they're lovely people i come from boomers you know yep they're fine i'm not a boomer so you're not offending no, me. no i know you're just an ex um, <laughs> the generation that never was you never did anything culturally you never achieved anything it's gen x and that's that's no disrespect that's no it's just a accurate commentary on who you people are shots fired uh it was a dead-end galley kitchen that felt very dark, very cramped. It was completely separated, so it's a U-shape around the main floor of the home. So if we're in the living room with the kiddos, you got to run around the entire uh, circumference of the house to get over to the kitchen, grab them a snack, grab them a cup of water. So we punched a hole from living room into kitchen. We reshaped the kitchen. We added a set of windows. We took a very cumbersome kitchen peninsula, not island, kitchen peninsula out and added bench seating in the corner. We punched a hole to the exterior to add a screened-in porch immediately off the kitchen in the Ooh, backyard there. I like that. We switched a very awkward key drop into a true mudroom area. We redid the powder room on the main floor, and we're redoing the main bathroom that we use for the kids upstairs. Saw that. You got a lot of good tile work going in right there. The tile work is fantastic. The layout of the bathroom, we had to make some changes because two kids in the tub, you're kneeling on the ground. The door, if one of us had to go out and in, the door whacks into the person on the ground. Mm, not good. So we reshaped the layout of that room. That'll be way more practical and, you know, look look way nicer. So yeah. the boomers we bought it from had some impractical choices with the layout of things that they had done when they remodeled the home. And their design aesthetic was not in line with ours. Let's just say that. Well, you know, it is the 2020s, right? <laughs> So we, we're just going to be so happy when it's done. We had um, started this all the way. We started design in February of 2022. So we're very we're going to be very glad when it's completed. We'll hopefully be in first thing in the new year. All right. Are you going to have a uh, re-housewarming party? We will have a rewarming party for the house. Oh, any, time, any idea when that's going to be? Sir, that, there'll be more of a private invitation. Oh, I'm, um, I, I think I'm busy. I'm kind of checking my schedule. You, I'd, love hey, to, I'd love to go. You were invited to a party <laughs> two weeks ago that you declined to attend. So I'm still waiting for Ted to deliver my pie. So that was promised that was going to happen, but that's not happening. For the listener, Chris actually <laughs> is on my VIP list that he does get to come to the coolest MSP moves parties. I do, but I'm like, like I think how many different things ha- I'd like. I had like three hockey practices to go to that day. That was like, and and I told you, I think when you gave me like the heads up, and you were before you even sent out like the in the the evite, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to make it. You're like, well, that's, that's too bad. I'm like, you could could you move it like an hour one way or the other so give me a window? Nope, you refuse to do any of that. Nope. Apparently, you don't work around my schedule. Nope, it's not about me anymore. It used nope. to be, but not anymore. <laughs> oh man, you did you did give me a two hour window? Like actually, no, Devin, just move it from eleven to one, and then I'll come. And... Yep. Yeah. Nope, that didn't happen. That did not happen. You know, I saw that over uh, on Instagram over the last couple of weeks, uh, the, all the Nook uh, reminders of us going to the Nook yep. for our annual annual burger dinners. That, uh, that was a good thing to be able to get out before, uh, before baby came along, too. I had a few little, you know, these fun little things. It's like, okay, I better get this done before baby comes because who knows what life looks like oh, yeah. post-baby. So one of the things that Dev and I have been doing for a long time is we go to the Nook and we celebrate kind of like the end of the year. I'm not sure when that started. We've been doing that for quite a while. Well, the earliest evidence we saw via Facebook memories was 2013, so a full decade. Yeah, so 10 years of uh, mm-hmm. of eating the nookies. So, we do, so, I mean, it's been the same same meal ever since. The yep. only thing that's changed has been Devin's beer choice. Um, this year he did kind of migrate over and, and match. And we, well, now I can legally drink it. Yeah, now you can. Before I had to kind of like, you know, give him the wink and the <laughs> nod and slip a 20. Uh, I know we the Nookie Supreme with the uh, with the appetizer of onion rings, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. now we both both wash it down with the hams this year. Yep, that was uh, it's been a good time, man. It's a it's a good time and a good tradition. I really uh, I really enjoy keeping that up. And now that you can pay for meals, that's right, versus just me paying all the time. I you know which is well, I feel like we started it and it was, I think the impetus was like kind of my thank you to you for your mentorship and kind of helping me out when I was still racing as a pro throughout the year, you know, kind of that manager side that you handled for me. Yeah. I feel like that was our original, you know, cause I can't, 
I couldn't rub two dollar bills together, but I could maybe <laughs> take you to a dinner. Here, I could share half of my trophy I won here. <laughs> what is I going to give you a, a commission on the free uh, K Swiss shoes you got for me? <laughs> like, oh, I'll give you fifteen percent commission on this. <laughs> there was so many good stories about that. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's it was good times, and uh, and now look at us now. We're two grown adults and. Oh. Numerous children and with legitimate jobs, and uh, seven. You even, got a, you even got a decent haircut now. I got a grown-up haircut. Uh, you shave it; it's got all a... good. Did you see? Did you see underneath the lid here? Now, for the listener, Chris has been growing out the flow again. He's—I've seen him dabble in this. Maybe twelve years ago, you dabbled, you grew it out, and now it's—it's it's out. The beard is pretty thick right now. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's like I'm, I'm basically trying to emulate Jace Momoa. Which you know, I think I think that's a very other in every other aspect. I think you could say, "Is that Jason Momoa?" Because it really looks like him. The hair's not as long, but everything else looks just very similar. That's a really logical comparison. I'm sure a lot of the listeners will agree. There's a lot of congruence there between you and Jason Momoa. A hundred percent. Like, I mean, we both come. We like we love to vacation in the islands. We're both Mm -hmm. big fans of Game of Thrones. Yep. I mean, there's like there the The list goes on. It just it's it's in yeah. I I can't. I'm not even going to start down the list. You know, Mm -hmm. there's too many. Too many, and it's too close. So, uh, no, I am not Jace Momoa, in case you do run into me at the mall or something like that. Don't ask for an autograph. Um, I am flattered, but, you know, but thank you. So, thanks. I would, I would have thought maybe like, a, you know, maybe with the, I don't know, I think the way you're aging, maybe more like a James Gandolfini. What? You know, maybe, you know, more that kind of. To- now I'm Tony Soprano. <laughs> I'm going from Aquaman to Tony Soprano. That's you know, terrible. Maybe, yeah. No, no, I'm going to stick with Aquaman. I'm going to stick with Aquaman. Um, We need to talk about some endurance sports stuff. So, uh, you know, looking outside, not a lot of snow out there. Nope. You know what that means? Skiers are going to be roller skiing. And it takes the silentest silentest of silent sports and makes it noisy. Why is it? What's the noisiest part of cross-country skiing? Oh, the the clickety well, it's these clickety clackety poles on the uh, asphalt. Oh yeah, in the summertime, yeah, yep. for for sure. No, no, it's it's actually cross country skiers. They're the noisiest. Part. Oh, yeah, them them complaining about like snow conditions or you know. Oh, what wax did you use? Tra- 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 like how the trails aren't wide enough so that they can't roller ski in the summertime. Did I ever tell you about the when uh, I was in Kona like a couple trips back? I actually saw somebody no. roller skiing on the Queen K. That's blasphemy. I'm like, you couldn't like. Somebody legitimately packed roller skis. That has to in be October. like a Scandinavian. Like it's not even close to any big races. Like, Don't you think would, like what someone's, someone's you know how spouse? much room they took up? Like they were not only on the shoulder, but they were like they were in the road. That's my gripe. Um, you know, you see them out sometimes in the summer, but my gripe of the last few weeks of outdoor riding. You know, because I once baby was coming, I kind of capped my outdoor riding season. But the last few weeks of it, while the weather is still favorable for roller skiing and riding, they're just out in force like locusts. They are. They they sense the the leaves changing, and they're like, "Screw you, we're here." Yep. And it's we're, uh, we're taking up the whole path. Yep. And they don't even go to side by side. They don't need to. Like I mean, the the kick Ugh. and the poles, and it's like, and they're just com- then they put you know, it's like, uh, it's hard. I you know I've tried cross country skiing before. Peter Spencer took me up to Duluth once, and I tried skate skiing i did it for about 45 minutes i was the worst at it and it blew me up and i'm like nope well with your hawaiian heritage it is it is you know being from the islands i just was not used to uh being now i'm talking about the alaskan aleutian islands because that's where i was born in you know in alaska so i can say i'm from the islands i'm from the islands yeah i also did tell people i was uh, born in igloo for about the first eight years of my life too so are you is it safe to say you are an island boy then um, not in the sense of those two little weirdos that have tattoos all over their face. Man, they oh. came and went, didn't they? So are we okay? Are we done slandering? Because we've now we've slandered boomers. You had a lot of inflammatory comments. I think that boomers. was you slandering boomers, not me. And now, now, now you ripped all over skiers. the cross country skiing crowd. But but I, I'm hoping that it, that it does change because you know if you think about it, we we do have a lot of uh, a history of skiers in Minnesota, especially with Jesse Diggins. Uh, really making an impact in the and in, in, at the in the global level of uh, Nordic skiing. Well, skiers, you you think it's a small time sport, and then you go look at the numbers and the turnout for the Berkey. 
Oh, it's and like what a fight it is to get in one of the early waves in the Berkey. It's, ginormous. Yeah. It's a it's a world event. And yeah. you know, not only is skiing popular in the able body, but also in the in the para side. I have a couple of athletes that are coming this week, actually this weekend and then all next week, and uh, going to a para camp for Nordic skiing here in the Twin Cities. Okay. And so para para skiing is um they, they go to a chair, so mm-hmm. it's chair skiing. Um, and it's, you know, if you think about it, it's, there's a lot of balance that needs to happen. Imagine just like getting on a small stool, putting two rails below you and then skiing there. It's not easy. It's not well, easy Well, it's one thing when it's just straight, straight forward, but like anything else, as soon as you're going up and then down and then twisting. Yeah. It, you know. It's your topsy turvy. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult, right? So, uh, so got a couple athletes that'll be coming to do that and I'm hopefully, uh, kind of be able to pop my head into one of mm-hmm. those camps and get to learn a little bit more of uh, done a little bit with sled hockey there, but not with uh, para skiing because I'm I have one athlete that's being kind of courted for para Nordic and para, okay. er, para duat, uh, um, biathlon, which oh. is skiing shooting. Yep. So she's from North Dakota. She's from rural. Um, she's or you know she says suburban Fargo. I you know I told her what is he, suburban Fargo? No suburban Fargo. It's like West Fargo maybe. Okay. You know, or Grand Forks. That or not, I mean uh, um more. What's on the other side of the the river from Fargo? Is it Moorhead? Fargo. It's Moorhead. Yeah, Fargo Moorhead. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I said that might be considered a suburb, but I'm sure Moorhead will will probably fight you if you call them. They, a I Fargo don't think suburb. they would care for that tag. No, I don't think so either. Um, but Wait, it, so hold on, we got the we're. Working our way into the Paris Olympics 2024, right? Yep. And then when, so it'll be 2026 will be the next Winter Olympics? Yes. Do we, where is that one going to be? I think it's in Italy again. I don't have a, oh, okay. I don't have a location, but okay. I think it's going back to Italy. Um, so it, for the for the para skiers, we're a ways out on yep. really qualifying for that. Yep. And then I believe the ones after that are going back to Park City, Utah. Really? I think okay. I, I think I saw that that uh, So that'd be 2030? 2030, yeah. Okay. So and so when we go to the so at the USOP uh, USOPC OPTC U, United States Olympic Paralympic Training Center inside the pool they have a flag for every uh, summer event that's mm-hmm. ever happened and it's pretty cool. They don't have one for the Olymp- for the winter ones. Um, so there I don't think I, I don't think they have one somewhere with the winter ones. Um, but yeah, it hasn't. It, um, I I want to say Italy, and then I want to say it's going back to Park City, Utah. Okay. So um, or Salt Lake City, maybe not Park Lake, or I think it's going back to Salt Lake because they hosted um, a couple years back, didn't they? A couple Olymp- Winter Olympiads back. Uh, Salt Lake did. You're waving your head like I like. No, nope. don't know. That's might have been when you were like five or six. <laughs> I like most people have very little knowledge of the Winter Olympics. Oh man, the Winter Olympics are fun though, like hockey, skiing. I just actually saw a clip of Eddie the Eagle Edwards. Yeah, do you know oh. who that is? Isn't he the English fellow who did the that crazy ski jumping? Yeah, what's, had, it, what's that sport called? Ski jumping. Ski jumping. Yeah, okay. he had no like history in ski jumping and said he wanted to try it. And like English ski jumpers, there's not there's no history of those guys. So uh, to actually go out and, and do that, he, it was basically, you know, is he going to die? Is he not going to die? They actually made a, a movie about it with uh, um, Tieran, Tieran Anderson. He's the guy that was uh, played in all the Kingsman movies. Okay. And he was also Elton John in the Elton John biopic. Did you see that one? These are hey, these are fantastic cultural touch points that you have no reference me to. and the listeners are definitely all connecting with. Hugh Jackman was also in the movie Wolver- okay. Wolverine. You well, know, uh, who, yep, you know who Hugh Jackman is? No, the people compare he was the you, greatest showman. People compare you to Hugh Jackman a lot. Oh, absolutely, because I am a great showman. Great I'm showman. Tell, I mean, I'm a full, full not not only You're a five figure per- <laughs> five five tool performer, right? <laughs> I am a Swiss Army knife when it comes to bringing stuff to the table. Now, biathletes, biathletes are the triathletes of the winter world because they're not good enough to be elite skiers and they're not good enough to be elite shooters. But if you put two skills together, they're yeah, they're good enough in both to have their own sport, right? Exactly. So, what would that make the pentathletes in the Summer Olympics? Because you now you're forgotten. Like, for, yeah, five irrelevant. <laughs> Wait, is pentathlon the one that has like horseback riding and it fencing is. and archery or something? Sheila Tormina, if you remember, she went from the Olympics in Athens. She went with Barb Lindquist and Susan Williams, and that was the year Susan Williams won the silver. Sheila Tormina was uh, was an Olympian for triathlon, and then after that, she suddenly made a shift over to pentathlon. Man, and I'm like, how do you how do you instantly know how to ride a horse? And where are you going to get a horse? 
You know, it's like, and why is pen, modern pentathlon even a sports? How still? is that in the? <laughs> I mean, I now that they've added break dancing, speed walking, and there's some other like I'm I'm waiting for them to get frisbee golf in there because it's like there's some seriously irrelevant sports sometimes in the in the Olympics. But my question with some of the sports is, you know, modern pentathlon. As soon as we're involving a horse, it's like okay, this is a cost prohibitive thing. Like the only the most elite of the elite, like wealthy folks in wealthy countries are ever going to be able to even yeah. learn or participate in this, let alone become elite athletes. It's, you know, so it's like you look at running, it's like couldn't be more basic. Yep. Folks from all over the world, all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of environments can come and thrive. And then something like modern pentathlon, it's like, yeah, okay, it's going to be always what US, Canada, UK. Like um, it's going to be a it's short gonna, list. It's going to be the, it's going to be the, the United Emirates. It's going to be. Oh yeah, you're going to have all of your, you know, like wealthy, oil-rich Middle Eastern countries that have like money to burn. I also look at like the whitewater rafting. Some of these things that snuck into the Olympics, and it's like, okay, the amount of a, a facility to have some of these boating, you know, like whitewater rafting. I didn't realize that was an Olympic event until I saw it on randomly one day. I'm like, if we're shoehorning this into the games, the demands. On the host city becomes so insane. Yeah, I mean, not only do you have to build out all the infrastructure, but it's almost like you have to have a lazy river from hell. Yeah, like that's a really coliseum is one thing, but a f- like, oh, and you have to have a lazy river. Yeah, because yeah. they're not putting in it like when they're doing the kayaking stuff, right? They're not actually doing it in a river. It's like it's it's like when you go on the the log, the flume ride at the ba- at the state fair. That's what it is. They have to build one of these things in sta- like in a standard formation. It's like it's like why don't they just have the Olympics at the Wisconsin Dells? Yeah, it's nuts. It it just seems like it's it's so bloated. You can see why it's a major burden and hardship on a host city. Well, to even let's be it. honest that the Olympics is is a hugely corrupt uh, system, and they, the 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 cities that get it are. You know, they're the 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 hand bribes are just unbelievable, and I don't think that the Olympic. No, I think the Olympic spirit prevails. I think it's all about the athlete and yeah. competitors and, and, and showing what, the best of mankind, right? And what the committee can get for their children, you know, like free <laughs> free, you know, free tuition to Harvard or wherever it might oh, be. Oh, LA, you want to host? You want to host? Okay, well, how about some scholarships for our kids at UCLA? Or in, yeah. Yeah. My kid wants to go to Stanford. You thought mm-hmm. Felicity Huffman was bad, right? Yeah. Now you got the Olympic Committee coming in, and they want to have their kids go to Stanford for free or at least just get in without having to test. I just saw she got out of, out of jail, by the by the way. Was that really? Okay. So she paid was somebody. Was that really a jailable offense? I think so. I, think, I disagree. I think it's an affront to humanity. Now, now she is actually trying to say that if she she did not do what she did, she would have felt that she was a bad mother. Now let's re, let's rewind and understand what she did. She paid someone to cheat on the SAT so that her daughter could pass academically to get into UCLA. It's pre- yeah, you hire kind of a professional fixer. Or I'm sorry, USC, USC. Professional fixer to shoehorn your kid into a school where they couldn't earn their way. It's because they're not smart enough. Yeah. School has standards, and then she goes, and what is she? She's a she's a YouTube Instagram. <laughs> she influencer. blows off school and quits anyway. She says she's like I don't even like if school. If I went if I went to jail to get my kid into a school and then they dropped out, oh, my the, God, disown them, oof. write them off. That's a toughie. But, I mean, it shows it shows a lot of bad character on both sides of that parent equation. I, I'm not saying it's not wrong what she did. I'm saying it's not a worthy jailable offense. Okay, so Frankie's got his heart set on going to the University of Minnesota. Yep. Skyuma. He, Skyuma. He can't really do well enough to get in academically, but you know that you could pay Ted to take the, uh, to take the SATs in Frankie's name and get in and get a passing, get a passing SAT level. And Ted says, you know what? It's only going to cost you 10 grand. You think, you know what? It's an investment in my child's future. Sure. It's shady. Sure. It's not legit, but my kid's going to like it. And I'm going to, I'm going to be doing them a favor on the backside. Do you pull the trigger on that? Well, I'm going to stop you right there. Cause we're talking Frankie is two in 15 years when he's applying and being accepted to schools at 17, going into 18 by that time, MSP Moves will be such a substantial business. 
daddy is going to give 80 mil for a building. We'll have the MSB Moves Arena. And he'll get in that way. I'll get in the good old-fashioned way. No more is it going to be 3M at Mariucci. It's going to be MSP Moves at Mariucci. The MSP Moves Arena, 80 mil, boom. (laughs) I'm not paying Ted anything. (laughs) You're going to get him. Ted's out of work. I'm buying an arena, baby. (laughs) I love that. That is a great... I will need a lot of home purchases and sales before that time, so please go ahead and call me, but... Just know your money will someday go to subsidize an arena at the OVM. <laughs> For my children. So my underachieving son can get in. <laughs> that's perfect. I love that. That is that's a that's a very acceptable answer. I will I will take that one. Well here you and I try and take our parenting duties seriously. I certainly do. I don't know about you. You have four kids running around. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't care. But you look at all the data and when kids get shoehorned or end up in a school where they don't belong, they don't thrive. No. You know, so it's like if you're not on par with your peers, you know, if you're a good, a good academic performer, good enough in high school, you know, and you could get into a solid school, but maybe not an elite tier school, and you get somehow get yourself into an elite tier school, you're the dumbest of your, you're the dumbest in every class. Yeah, you're you're not going to thrive. You're not going to learn. Whereas you might perform at an appropriate level school, you might be a fine performer, and come away with the education you need. It, it's you're setting your own kid up for failure. Just for the prestige of that school name. It's also about about your ego as well. Totally ego driven. It, it's like you. It's nepotism in business. Rarely ever benefits the person who is the younger on that side. No. Well, it, like so in business. So Frankie's gonna and Frankie's Frankie doesn't know what he wants to be. You're gonna like you know what Frankie. You're gonna be a real estate agent. You're gonna be the next Chris Lindahl. Whoa! Oh, whoa! Whoa! <laughs> hey! Whoa! Hey! Whoa! Let's calm it down here. You're going to put Frankie on billboards, but and he has like, I don't know if I want to do it. You're like, oh, you're going to do this. And you send him to get him his real estate license. And he's probably not going to be the most most motivated person in that business. If, if it's not something that's inside him that he wants to be able to do. If they don't come into it on their own, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's the same with any, with any endeavor with sports. You can't force the kid to be an elite performer no you can't and that's i mean i felt that with my with stephanie my oldest daughter i in in when i was racing and when i was racing i wanted her to be a triathlete you know i put her in an iron man's kids and an iron kids race and she crashed like coming out of t1 and like almost oh, got a concussion really? um you know she and, and even it's a it's a something that we had talked about just recently her and i about how she felt um, pressured to do it because she wanted me to feel, you know, to be proud of her. And that's the last thing I wanted. You know, I was trying to share what I loved with her and, and that's, you know, that was uh, a learning experience. I think it it then translated over into hockey with the boys, um, and with London with hockey too. Like I love hockey and I wanted them to play. My family's got a huge history of it. Um, but I never really forced it on them. I tried to make it something that they liked and like with Cole now being on the high school team for Minneapolis, it's been something that he truly loves, and and has. And you were the most geeked out hockey dad in town. Oh my god! I, you know, first of all, that kid's living his best life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and I and I am like, am I? I'm not living vicariously through him, but I am. And Jill, Jill and I are both just so utterly proud of that kid because you know it's like when you you want your children to grow up and be better than you, and I played junior varsity hockey and I. I think I skated during one varsity game, but never played legitimate like full-time varsity hockey. And that was probably, that was, that was hard for my dad. When I said my senior year, I'm going to step away and I'm not going to play hockey. My dad said that was like, it was like the hardest thing that he ever witnessed and had to like just swallow. Cause yep. he didn't, you know, he didn't say anything to me, but he said that was like one of the hardest days when they told him I wasn't going to play anymore. And to see Cole, now being on the cusp of writing that curve, you know, because my grandfather played pro, yep. my dad played D1, then I played JV, and have Cole kind of bring the curve back up. <laughs> that genetics have been getting weaker over time. <laughs> I know. It's like you kind of we're diminishing the brand, right? Um, but to see it, to see him do it on his terms, mm-hmm. um, has been so fun. And I, yeah, I, 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 I love watching it happen. But I have really done everything in my power not to get in his way yeah and to not try and like you know say do this and you know talk to him about every little moment but be supportive and not overbearing when i think it's such a fine line between sharing the passion sharing the joy of it letting them see because you still play yourself letting them see like hey this is yeah this is a thing this is a fun thing and i think for thea and i 
with running and swimming because we both grew up swimming and we both still love running, you know, these endurance sports, the kids will be exposed to them and we we would never want to feel like we're pushing them or forcing them. Um, but I think by sharing the joy of it and giving them opportunities, oh yeah, I think that's the path, not like, hey, this is what the family does. You're going to do it too. Exactly. Is, is Faya riding bike yet? Yeah. Oh, loves it. There you go. She's nuts for it. She's on the strider right now. There you go. And mm-hmm. that's that's the beginnings of of your next generation. It's like when you go out for a ride, instead of just pulling her, and you're and then she's riding next to you. That's like. Well, we had this summer. We had the first real moment of that where she said, "I was leaving for my ride." And she's like, "Daddy, can I ride too?" So we <laughs> we did a lap around the block. You, you said, know, "Well, with... I'm going with Chrissy. You probably keep up." <laughs> well, honey, your mitochondrial density is already higher than Swarthout's. Uh... All right, I don't know what that means, but I'm gonna take that as an insult. <laughs> <laughs> we... But just you know, I'm on I'm on my silly you know I'm on a Cervelo Aspero, Aspero five, and. <laughs> <laughs> and she's on a strider and we're just so we're just we're putzing around the block and it's just it's like yeah this is pretty cool yeah i mean it is it is one of those great things you know you would you know julian rides mountain bike and that's been a, a huge thing i mean he almost rides mountain bike better than i do because i don't yeah. ride mountain bikes very well well and how fun is it that the doors open for high school mountain biking now oh my gosh the whole the so that that program is is so huge and so diverse you think about high school sports right now, like in compared to even just back, like when you were in high school, like mm-hmm. three years ago, you know, that like how different it was. Class of 05, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> Class of 90. <laughs> but you think, so think about the sports that exist now that didn't exist when you were. I mean, did you have trap shooting? Nope. Lacrosse? Nope. Nope. You didn't really have it. I mean, so many of the women's or the girls' sports, you know, that have been, that have been brought on, girls' hockey girls lacrosse and, and all those there was like very limited like girls were that you you grew up playing softball soccer volleyball you know some of the basics but now they're they're so diverse and the the fact that mountain biking is a high school sport and it it only bodes like for what that means for everybody else yep. number one development of trails two with races and you now see actually legitimate pros out racing like lifetime in their um in their series this year actually had great mountain bikers that were racing around the united states for like a reasonable prize purse yeah and making more money than triathletes actually arguably way more yeah and it's it, so that's that's a really cool lucrative benefit and then also the 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 whole series that is coming below that with developmental programs like um, Julian rode with a 612 mountain biking team this year and practiced every week out at Theo and made lots of friends, had so much fun with it. Zero pressure from us, yep. just went out and had, had a good time. When it's, it's the best organic way to grow endurance sports, right? Yeah. Parents getting out of it. Yeah. And this is part, so I'm also part, so USA Triathlon is now developing a high school program. Okay. And, and so I'm kind of on this quote unquote search committee to kind of keep our eyes out for, for high schoolers. And, it's part of me. Okay, really... let's just be careful with our phrasing there, Chris. Well, yeah, no, okay, not in a predatory sense like that. But just be you know, careful. Yeah, talent ID, right? Yep. But part of me says and wants to think, like, let's just stay out of it. Because it's like, when do, when does sports get mucked up? When parents get involved sometimes. When that external pressure or, hey, can you make, the, you know, let's push in or let's private put, lessons to make the travel team. Yeah, let's make rules, yeah. right? I, I mean, it, I flash You back. make the cut, you don't. Yeah, I flash back to we were over COVID, we would play, we played a lot of Foursquare mm-hmm. at the lake house. And I remember my sister-in-law would come up and she would like try to enforce Foursquare rules. And I'm like, this is what makes it not fun. You know, it's like you, you can't just come and say that, no, that's against the rules. Ma'am, you take your rules and you get on out of yeah. here. I mean, I, I love Allison, but like, the one, but, it, but it showed me just a, like a small window of how parents muck things up for kids. And so the sport of triathlon in high school for kids makes me want to think, do we, do we just kind of back away and not try and, and not try and develop it, but let it develop organically? A lot like how club sports are like develop, yeah. and and I think a, if a club sport develops in a high school level organically, it's going to be a lot more um, long lived, and it's going to have a stronger base versus a bunch of parents getting together and say, "Hey, let's put a club sport together." Well, try is try is tricky from from that elite pipeline perspective because the the same thing that was true when I started in the sport is still true today. Is the elites come from being 
semi-elite in one of the sports and they grow into the other two. Yes, like getting a gr- getting a, a, a almost great swimmer. Yeah, that that runs cross country sort of. With, you know, and Andy, Pot- Andy Potts is the prototype, like a fourth place at Olympic trials. Like, oh, can't quite make it to the Olympics as a swimmer. Gwen Jorgensen. Gwen Jorgensen. Yep. You know, there's another op- You know, like I, I think that's that you're that's so true. And and because um, show me show me the teen triathlete who grows and develops and becomes elite enough in running and or swimming to compete with the true world class triathletes. Yeah, it's been that. Um, well, you could say Taylor Nib did. Okay. She, when she, so she got in the game. She got in the game real early. Okay. And she's been she's been in the pipeline for uh, Eli Hemming as well. Okay. Uh, would be another one that I remember watching at at Manitou. I remember watching that little kid come out and stuff like four breakfast burritos in his shirt afterwards because he was cold. And like somebody's got to eat those, bud. Somebody's got to eat those, and, it's, and he's like, "Yeah, it's gonna be me." So that we now have a few examples where that has happened. It is small. It is yeah. not the same as like what you see in swimming or most stick and ball sports. Yeah, it is. It does become. It, it becomes triathlon becomes almost the retirement program for many singular for D one runner, D one swimmer. Absolutely, yeah. and, and and so uh, you know, getting back to, is it better to to try and develop? Um, high school sports as an adult or is it better to to have them kind of organically create themselves through participation with the students i would say the student participation is the best thing i'm still going to be helping i'm still going to be looking and i'm more watching to see what comes from that and saying if i see somebody that is that is a spark that needs maybe a little bit more wind you know we can come in behind that but i really hesitate to to try and pave the road and pull a bunch of kids down that road, I think it's better to to sit back, watch, observe, and then and then try and support from the from the outside. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a more sustainable way to do it. One more and more, you would have to say the the path to elite performance, the kid has to be motivated, or you know the you know the athlete, it has to come from the athlete from a motivation standpoint. You know, not just a pure talent, because you look at the Soviet model, they pre-screened everyone for super talent. Yep. And then you look at how mentally how some of those athletes turn out. You know, Jan Ulrich is the classic case scenario. Like, okay, he was selected for his phenomenal natural ability. Yep. And he did indeed have a a very good career, not the career that could have been if he had been a little more stable mentally and emotionally. Or maybe even had more support. Yeah. You know? And you look at the guy now, it's, I mean, it's tough. It just seems tough. It is. I mean, even, you know, first of all, he was German, not Russian. Because you he made, was you, okay, he was you, from the Soviet you, sphere. Oh, no, he, well, yes, he did. No, he, no, Jan. Okay, so Jan, so, he was East German. Uh, I think he was West German. Jens Voigt was East German. Jan was okay. Okay, t- t- beyond that, but you're you're absolutely right. He did come up through an organization or through a country that tried to create either physiologically, biologically, or in, in just out of obligation to the country, uh, an athlete who was predetermined to be a a huge potential. I think he loved the sport. If you look at your on, on to your right there, you can see a Jan Ulrich jersey with the T-Mobile mm-hmm. uh, and the pink. He, he, I think he loved the sport at one point in time, but eventually got crushed. You started to see it towards the end of his career when he would gain, you know, a little bit of weight in the off season and just be slandered by the German pup, by the German media for like getting a little bit fat. Like the kid loved chocolate. Yeah, he wasn't like you know Uter from the Simpsons. Like he wasn't like you know diving into a Willy Wonka factory. But yeah, he loved it a little bit. And you know he did kind of dabble into the cocaine a little bit. Cocaine, the cocaine, but not as not as bad as Tom Boonen did. You know Tom Boonen like was. Did Tom have a couple of times he got popped? Tom got popped for out of yeah out of contest. EPO, nope, coke, nope, coke. Yeah, he's like, well, he's Belgian, man. He's like at the like. Well, look at him. He was the parties. He was the hot guy. He was man. He had such a mullet, a beautiful mullet at one point in time. He was. Oh, the Booninator. He was, oh, anyways. He was a real dreamboat. But, but yeah, you know, Jens did really kind of suffer. And and being second fiddle to Lance, to Lance Armstrong and never really probably getting to to eclipse him and always being number two, you know, it is, it's, it has to really mess with your head to always be in second place. I mean, if you, in, you know, there's, there's Ricky Bobby and there's Cal Naughton Jr. And yep. Cal Naughton Jr.'s are always going to be like, there's always going to be a little bit of something in their head where it's not going to be right. And, yeah, he is suffering, and he's coming back from it. Thank goodness, and it's nice to see Lance kind of, you know, trying to help him out and not yep. being a 
douche about it. That ha- that has been a really interesting dynamic. Seeing seeing the two of them post career being a little more cordial, and Lance even maybe being a little bit supportive. Yeah, I mean it's, but Lance hasn't been supportive towards many other cyclists. He's not this. He's no, no one's accusing him of being a sweetheart. Well, and also you can you could say that Jan also did not take the stand and, and uh, testify against Lance at any point in time either. Well, because that list is long and distinguished. <sighs> You could make a team out of those guys that, that did that. He also has uh, had Johan Bernil on his podcast recently. Oh, really? The, yeah, the the emperor oh. himself. You know, if you think of like who who's the who's the emperor Palpatine versus mm-hmm. the Darth Vader, you could say that Bernil was the em- was Emperor Palpatine, and that Lance was Darth Vader. Yep, they were they were the, they they were the dark side of the force, leading a whole minion of uh, of Imperial soldiers. Boy, oh boy, how. Oh. So so good. So many what good times. <laughs> is there? It's not, hey, but it's not about the bike. <laughs> no, not at all. It's about the dope. It's about the dodging. It's, it's about, about all that good stuff. Corporate sponsorship. Um, yeah, those are the days, man. I wish you know. I don't wish that them back, but uh, um, you know, you don't have some of those some of those personalities. Although um, Roglic is arguably you know as as a flamboyant personality now, and there's been a lot of buzz with where he's going. Any uh, any speculation for you? <sighs> I, well, you know, the MSP Moves Elite Cycling Program put out some feelers, <laughs> but he wasn't willing to take 40 bucks in a Chipotle burrito, so we missed on him. I, I, no, I haven't heard where he's going to settle. No, I I, uh, I mean, first of all, like, the, the, the kind of the passing of Yumbo is, like, I think we saw something this last year that we'll talk about for a long period of time. Oh, yeah. You know, we saw... All three Grand Tours, oh. three different champ. you know, to have three Tour... Tour level champs They're on the good. roster. That's insane. I think you could put Yumbo now in the pantheon of teams up with your with your Mapai, with your quick steps, mm-hmm. with your sky, your 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 postals. I think you're gonna see Yumbo Visma in 2022, 2023 be in that list of pantheon. They are I mean, you there's no way you wouldn't put them there with yep. with three different riders winning all three grand tours. It's Something that's never been done before and unheard of. Um, I don't know where he would go. I would think that he would probably stay inside Europe, although um, you know nothing is outside the bounds. There's you know some of the African countries that are trying to recruit uh, bigger names. Just uh, you know the Emirates might might hire him. Nope. Like the Team UAE might bring him in. I know they got a lot of cash and they're looking for uh, for more riders to supplement. Um, but I don't know. I would I would think he's probably going to stay inside inside the. Uh, inside i don't think he's going to go to like a quick step uh, more of a traditional sprinters team yep. or a classics team but um yeah it's going to be a team that's oriented around a gc winner who's going to you know who are yeah. they going to do i mean would they go into would they go into a, a, a french team do you think you know try and, who because uh, a french team's going to want to try and you know they're going to want to go for the want to go for the the, the tour and, you know, even if they don't have a French rider taking it, I think a French team taking it would be, like, is an AGR going to want to go there? Do they have the cash? Do they have the will? I don't know. Is it worth it for him? I mean... The thing it, with the French... Okay, here's the real question with the French team. If you get popped for EPO in France, you go to prison. Yeah, that's true. So you see, you know, that's why Girona, Spain became the new thing. Nice, everyone left Nice and everyone went over to Girona. And you haven't seen a French champ in quite some time. Yeah, I mean it's it is uh, it is true. It, it probably not. Then you probably won't see that happen. Um, I don't think a British team's going to take him on. No, no. I mean, what do you think about that? It's hard, right? I mean, it, it's difficult to say. Are they going to well, dole out the cash? Are they going to? Because they, they have Yates. Is it? Are there, is it? Are those Yates guys? Is that brothers? Simon and Adam? They're no relate. I don't think there's a relation between them. To but be they're honest. on the same team, right? They, or are they on different teams? They're on different teams. Unless oh, okay. they got hired. Last time I saw, they were on different teams. Okay. Because Adam Yates was riding. Last time I saw him in the Giro, they were. I remember seeing he was doing well, but I, I remember the Yates brothers were not listed as being brothers. Okay. They're like it's not like um, uh, who are the who are the two uh, uh, um, Luxembourg kids? Uh, oh, uh, the Schlecks. Schlecks yep. Yeah. They you know like how they dominated dopers by the way. Um, well, <laughs> dopers, by the way, little, just a little something, something. And I'm not saying alleged; they were convicted dopers, <laughs> by the way. Um, but I would say that that that's a definite possibility. Yeah. I don't know. You could get like a. Does Enos Grenadiers bet on him, or are they spending all their dough on 
you know, you know, some kind of UK and up and coming UK champion to take the throne from Geraint Thomas. They seem are they going to bet on Geraint again next year? I I don't know. I they seem to really want to keep their champions British. Yeah, right. You think about who they had. You think about you know, you'd start off with Wigo. Yep. You know, and then going with Froomey. Even though Froomey was like, uh, so I think he was Zimbabwean. Is it, no, Kenyan, I think. Kenyan by by nationality, but he was, you know, he was from the Commonwealth, so yep. he kind of kept it there. Um, and then, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, and then Thomas, I, I don't know they're, if they would go to a Roglic, because that doesn't kind of seem um, uh, uh, Aryan enough for them. Yeah, he doesn't speak the best English. No, no. And he's not flamboyant enough like Peter no. Sagan to get away with it. Yeah. Sagan, I mean, Sagan. I character. love Sagan. He's going to be my biggest... Biggest miss definitely in the coming season. Do you think he goes into a uh, into a team role as a manager or something? You know what? You know here you're going to see him. He's going to go into commentary because he's he? got enough broken English to be able to get through one. Because if they'll sit through listening to Jens Voigt talk oh, broken God. English, because first of all, Jens Voigt maybe my favorite cyclist of all times. Like Jensy, first of all, never convicted or even accused <laughs> of doping. Just putting that out there. Never convicted. Never convicted. Never, never convicted. Con- and he was never even accused of doping, by the way. He was on a couple of teams that did, but never even accused of it. Um, I think Sagan would be um, would be a good commentator. I'd love to hear him, even though some people, like my friend Wally, thinks that he's got like a little screechy, whiny voice. I, I and, and every time, but you know, even my buddy Wally loves Sagan. Yeah. But he's the guy, you don't have him on the mic all day, but as a little pop of color here and there, or extra... Oh, analysis. Yeah. He's yeah. He'll he'll be. He's a great third wheel. I'm he's sure. a little side guy. Yeah. You know, you're still gonna have Bob Key running it, yep. right? And you can still have uh, Phil Liggett on the other side, but mm-hmm. you're gonna have him kind of on the on the on the on the just on the little commentary. You're gonna set him by a fence with a microphone and a camera, and it's like, let's go to Sagana with the uh, with the sprint point here. Uh, let me tell you, I think the sprint go very hard oh, for this man. I go, I go, he go hard because that's his job. <laughs> I don't know. I can't trace that accent, but Wally, I forgive don't know me for doing your, your version of it. Yeah, it's not even going to happen. Um, no, it's. Uh, it, it, I think he'll be he'll go into commentary, but that that will be um, be hard. But going back to Roglic, I think you're going to see him probably uh, go into. Uh, if I had to put a put a, a team down, I'm going to say that he's going to go to UAE. Yeah, they're going to they're going to dole the cash out because they have it, and they're going to want to buy a champion, and that's what they're going to get. Because that's where Tade Pogacha is, right? Yep, Pogacha. Who's going to get you? Pogacha. Because <laughs> he and Pogacha, if it's him and one other star, Tade mm-hmm. gets the tour. But they, will he, would Roglic, if he's in the last two or three years of his chance to be the tour winner, he's won the Giro, he's won the Vuelta. Yep. Hasn't won the, hasn't won the tour. If he's only got a couple more good shots in his system, is he going to go to Tade's team where Tade is going to be the star? And, you know, that, They're never going to bet on Roglic if Tade's there. Well, unless they send them both out and say, hey, whoever is strongest, then we're going to back but, you. Uh, Roglic is just coming out of that for the last two years. It's been, hey, we're, we're backing two captains and we'll see where the chips fall. But that's cycling. We've seen that happen for so many years that they bring up two big guns unless there's like but one it's a super bad, ego. It's a I'm not saying it's good. Oh, it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I think it's a bad. I think it's a bad model. The least expected day. The documentary about the movie star team on Netflix. Yes, I really appreciated it. It was an incredible insight because that team kept doing it to their top riders. Oh, over they and put over. Two stars in each of the grand tours and let them. It's happened so fight many. It out. It's, it's happened so many times. I think back even to Team CSC when Carlos Sastra was trying to fight and fight his way up through, yeah. and uh, um, and it just wasn't able to be there. I mean, it was there was. This, you see the toxic. You know, you talk about a team dynamic and the environment it takes, to, where the level of sacrifice and support you need from your player riders to help your champ. Oh yeah. When you have that level of toxicity, but even amongst the staff, it. I think it it's seems like, like a very dangerous setup. It parallels with collegiate cross country teams. Mm. Like you get the, you know, you have a you have a team director yep. that just cares that they, all they want is the championship. They don't care who wins it. They're going to put everybody through the meat grinder, and whoever survives, hopefully they're going to win. They're going to get one winner out of it. I think they're going to put a bunch. That's the same with with pro cycling. You put a bunch of people in there. You very very rarely get a team manager or a, or a team director. That really cares about one or, or, or the balance of the team, even though that it should be that way. 
it's still pretty individualistic when it comes down to it at some point in time. Yep. So they're going to put, I could see somebody saying, listen, put them both in there. One of them is going to crack and whoever doesn't crack, they're going to be our champion. Yep. The other one, they'll be able to pick up the pieces and go somewhere else. I get the mindset because if you're, your whole team is spending how many million euros just to take a shot at the at, at a grand tour. I'm sure yeah. it's a huge budget just to be there. And you bet on one. You only have one GC guy, and you he don't cl- have a good sprinter, or you don't have a climber. To, yeah. You have no other spice to add to get attention for the sponsors and bring value back. If your guy gets sick, sick. if he crashes and skids and is at eighty five percent, it's like, well, done. cool. He's going to get. Seventh, he'll slink his way into seventh. Nobody cares about seventh. No one seventh. cares at all. Nobody cares about fourth. No, Nobody they, cares about third. No one cares about second. Oh, that's true. I mean, it was not. That's not true. When it's today, if it's two stars who have a battle the whole time, like today and Vingegaard. Yeah, you can. Then you could do it. But like, but beyond that, nobody cares. And it's true. And a team needs to. They they're making an investment. They want to have it. So I'm I'm. It's like you get pocket aces. You want to split them yeah. in blackjack. Should you? Probably. You know, you should. You should do that. But I think it's maybe that, I don't know, I'm trying to reach for a poker analogy, and that just went sideways. It's I'm, so far outside of my... It's not yeah. even there. Yeah, I don't gamble at all. But but it is true. You bring two potentials to a race, and then that increases your ability. You If you think that increases your ability to win, you know, that's going to be your motivation. Ultimately, do we probably, as outside thinkers, see that as a negative? I think we do. And yeah. I think we see through that, so... It was it was interesting that you have to give it to Lance. I always give Lance credit. Some of these teams, it's like they put the team is the machine and they put the player in and under that system he works. Yep. I give Lance so much credit for truly being such a big personality and such a leader. He brought the whole thing together. He made that show happen. He did. And there was never gonna be uh you know, in his heyday in that run. There was no like, oh, and you know we're gonna have Levi Lightheimer also contend for. No, everyone was a helper. Everyone was subservient to Lance. So his unilateral command of that program was really. He you had, have to respect it to a degree. You do. I mean, he had swagger. He had power. He had money. And he brought he the had money. Moxie. Yeah, he had all. He had. And if he isn't a, there. There's no. There's no sponsor. Dollars. No. And it was a time when there was so much more in professional cycling that was that that isn't there now. Yeah. Right. Um. And he also had George Henkappy, yep. who was his number one lieutenant. So if anybody had to come up, they had to come past Henkappy to get to Lance. And Henkappy was always willing to play that Cal Naughton Jr. Yep. position. He was always willing to shake and bake and bring Lance around, even though he, you know, he got a couple of bites at the apple. He was, you know, he always said, "I'm a classics guy," and he won like I think one, maybe two stages at the tour ever in his career. Um, you know, he legitimately just kind of swallowed it, and yeah, he's the helper. And he's still there. He's still kind of—I yep. don't want to say lackey, but he's—but he is number—he's number two to Lance, and and he's he's okay with that. And without that, I don't think Lance could have held on to that position as as strongly as he did, because yeah, he didn't have, have to, to worry have the about the right it. lieutenant. Yep, you need yep. the right lieutenant. You need the right support staff. You can't be a general without support staff. We'll that, look at uh, when Tom Brady came back to try and win another Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Who did he bring? Gronk. That's right. He got his boy out of retirement too. Yeah, Gronk's like, what did uh-huh. I just? What did? Okay. And I love how T-Mobile turned that into a commercial where it was like broken up. Like, what did I just say? <laughs> you know, what did I commit to? Yeah, that is that is so true. Well, either way, you know, it's going to be a good cycling season, and we got a little bit of time to to wait to see that happen. Are you on Zwift yet? I did. I rode. Uh, yeah. I rode. Uh, um, I rolled cold Aspen yesterday. That was uh, was it 28, 2,800 vertical feet of climbing in eight point seven miles. Okay. Took me took me almost took me about an hour to do it. Okay. Just basically a punish fest on that thing, sweating around, listening. What are to we What are we averaging for watts? Probably uh, probably three forty, three eighty. No, I average probably a climber thing. like you. Yeah, exactly. I'm just all all legs. I averaged I think around probably two thirty five. Okay. For you know, for 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 a climb of an hour. Yep. So I thought that was. I mean, for me, that's pretty respectable. Also, I was just coming off of, you know, I rode for like a week, and I'm just like, you know, like I make breakfast and the kids at school and get on a get on the trainer in the in the in the garage. So you're on the hockey dad program. I'm trying. I you know I enjoy it. I try to do what I can. Um, but yeah, I'm on the Zwift train. I like that. And also, um, I'm going to give a little plug here to uh, to this recovery product that I'm starting to use, which is called Wintergreen. 
Um, is this our first corporate sponsorship? No, they don't give us anything. Okay, but, am I getting 15% cut on this wintergreen? You are not, but you can have a magnesium pack if you want to oh. lay out here. A soak pack so you can go home and take a take a take a dad bath. Which is really dad weird. bath. I know it's a really weird thing. I'm just I created I'm a just dad ha- bath. Hashtag dad bath. Um, but it's a topical uh, magnesium product. So instead of taking magnesium as a recovery uh, agent uh, internally, you're actually having a topical application for it. But I used the cream yesterday, and I felt actually pretty darn good. Um, okay. I slept really well. I don't have any fatigue or soreness. I actually, normally when I sleep, sometimes my back ends up hurting. Didn't happen. So um, I don't know. I'm not. It's it's two weeks, and I'm supposed to try this stuff, and then give give honest feedback on it. Uh, we'll see where it goes, but uh, so far, so good. Can I put it on my baby and get that baby to be quiet all night? I don't know. I'd have to read it and see. <laughs> Is it recommended for <laughs> making your baby sleep? No, 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 no. That's that's uh, that's Robitussin. Oh, okay. <laughs> or Dimatap or whatever. What are the little pink ones that you use for allergies? Those are the things that you... Uh, Just, yeah. yeah. No, it's also whiskey. That's why they used whiskey. to put whiskey on the kid's teeth, and they're like, oh, is that Dullet? No, it just gets your kid hammered. Well, those are how our parents. Different. The, yeah, how we survived our parents is beyond me. So, um, Devin, thanks for coming over and uh, cheering me up, but I really needed that today. Hey, my pleasure. And um, you you minimally plugged your life, and that was. Uh, yep. Hey, um, so listener, I do have three kids to feed. So if you're buying or selling a house, <laughs> goodness gracious, I need it. Help me. Call me, please. <laughs> MSP moves, right? Three kids. Get it so in there. Many. Get it out there. Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, and being with us. Uh, just ask that you uh, go out there and, and keep the people that are that are clo- that are close to you and that you care about. Um, send them a message today and just say, hey, I appreciate you. And uh, say hi and don't ever take a, a moment for granted with them. And um, really just uh, give, give someone you uh, care about a hug today. So um, for the Be Better Podcast, I'm Chris Swarthout. Devin Palmer. And we just ask that you be a little better. <laughs>